Welcome to Dragon Talk. That was good. We were like harmonizing for like a brief second there. Wow. Yeah. I was like a frog and you were like a uh, an angel. Oh. Oh. An angel toad. <laughs> an angel toad. <laughs> oh, man. I frog love... Frog and toad. Oh, you, should be, you should be frog and toad for Halloween Aww. one day. One day. One day we'll be Halloweenies. One day we will. Um, do you think Frog and Toad are uh, one of the foes you can find in Morden Cannon's Tome of Foes? Would be cool. It would be cool. Well, we heard when we talked to uh, Kate and Jeremy last week that there's a mechanical frog, which it's sounds pretty exciting. Not playable. Not playable. But it might be it shut down. counterable. Maybe you'd find them there. Somebody could give you one. I would, can I give you one? Here. Yes. You have a mechanical frog. I it's in your inventory. Write it down. Got it. It's, if it's on the character sheet, it's real. I'm Greg Tito, by the way, in case you guys didn't know who is talking to you. What is your name, My miss? My name is Shelly Mazenoble. Hi, Shelly. Hello. It's good to have you. It's good to be here. We're excited because we get to talk to two amazing people today. Yeah. Alan Patrick and Lisa Chen from the D&D Adventurers League. Yep. We're going to call them up in uh, just a few minutes. Uh, but then we also wanted to let you guys make sure you are aware of Morden Ganon's Time of Foes, which is just announced. It is coming out uh, in May. That's right. May 29th is the wide release. You'll be able to get the standard cover of that book. Uh, and then it'll be out in hobby stores with an alternate cover uh, designed by Mr. Vance Kelly um, on May 18th. Beautiful. Pretty cool stuff. Even earlier and an alternative cover. So what's in uh, Morning Canaan's Tome of Foes, Shelley? Lots of things. There's monsters. There's things for players and there's things for dungeon masters. That's right. You can play as a different you can play there's tiefling options, there's different elf options for players, there's the Gith. Yeah. Gith Yankee or the Gith Zarai. Yeah, I gotta look into that. Yeah, they are they're amazing. And lots of great stories and backstories and lore and things that we haven't talked about before. Right. The conflicts of the multiverse. Which I think is a really cool way to frame uh, like a, a lore book like this, and that it's like, oh, it's, it's about people fighting, or or not fighting, or not fighting, like right? halflings and gnomes. I didn't even know they were in this book, uh, oh. and I think it's pretty cool that they're like, oh, by the way, we don't have a conflict, so that's that's a conflict. That is a conflict. conflict. It's a conflict with your book of conflicts. It's a meta conflict. Yes, right, which I think is still pretty interesting. I though. do because I guess you can't really have a book. Here's a book about people that get along. Yeah. They're happy all the time. They could. But I think they may be cannibals. Maybe a kid's book. <laughs> well, we had to discover that. That's true. The smoothies. Exactly. The juicers. But it has got tons of other fun stuff uh, yep. for you. Uh, the monsters themselves focus on the uh, higher level challenges, although there are challenges uh, and monsters from... Uh, for, for all levels of, of play, really, but definitely get, making sure that Dungeon Masters had some high-level stuff out there. There's the Archdukes of the... Nine Hells, uh, and you've seen the, the Demon Lords of the Abyss in Out of the Abyss. Uh, they were all statted up for you to use, but now yep. you've got the, their, their bad guy cohorts. Not cohorts, they're... Their uh, enemies? Their conflictors. Their frenemies? Their frenemies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's just straight-up enemies of the Probably. Blood War, because yep. that's one of the major chapters in, uh, in, in Tome of Foes is about... That doesn't sound good. That whole conflict there, so that should be pretty cray-cray. Yep. Tons yep. of demons, devils, yugolons. Jam-packed, like 256 pages? 256 pages, that's right. And, uh, and It's like, I can't stop remembering all of this. It's like it's fresh in my mind still. There's like 130 new monsters, I think we, we said, is out there too. So With unique new art. Yes, unique New York. New yeah. Art. 
It sounds like the art is going to be quite beautiful. Yes, exactly. Kate uh, last week told us all about how uh, amazing it looks, yep. and we're excited to delve into it. I haven't seen any of those ones. So. I know. I I know. Where can we see it? Uh, well, they're still working on it now. It'll be going to the Over printer the shoulder pretty somewhere? soon. Yeah, we should just go bust in and be like, what you got? Pfft, show yeah. me your art. Show me your art right now. Show me your knee the art. It's <laughs> pretty cool. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be talking more and more about uh, Toma Foes in the months to come. It's going to be pretty exciting. Um, Kate Welch is here. We talked about this last week, but she's here. So, she's have, you had, uh, have you had meetings with her yet? I can't tell. Did you guys have any, uh, uh, you know, chance meetings in the hallways? Yes. <laughs> yes. Tell me about them in detail. What did you say to put another? You know that in her interview, like seconds into her interview, she said, my favorite game is Betrayal at House on the Hill. And you were like, and you're I, done. And I like just smacked my hands on the table. I said, you're hired. You're hired. And I left the room. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, I guess Shelly said you're hired. So. <laughs> That's how she got her job. You were the decider. It was me. It is true. That's how she got a job. And that's not because she's like crazy talented and has great experience and is an all around wonderful person. Not for any of those reasons. Because I said it. Mostly because (laughs) she likes your board game. I know. I know. I'm so easily swayed. It's hands down. It was a, it was an easy decision to make for yeah. sure. No, she's great. She is uh, going to be working right, like right away. So we didn't want to get her on the podcast, but we will. But we will soon for sure. But we didn't want to like inundate her with. I like, know oh, that would by be a way. weird thing to do on your first day. Yeah, right. Because you're trying to learn so much, so you don't. You know. Yeah. yeah so we're easing into it, but you'll right. you'll definitely uh, get a chance to see her on Dragon Talk very soon. Okay. Um, D&D Beyond uh, has got uh, Morning Canaan's Tome of Foes available for you to pre-order up there. Go check it out. Um, it is uh, a really great service. We used it for almost all the character creation I've done in the last few months. have all been done on D&D Beyond. And one cool thing is that there's uh, unearthed arcana material up there, too. So it's unofficial, uh, similar to uh, the, the uh, homebrew content cool. that's up there. Um, but you should be able to go check out uh, some of the new stuff that was out there for... Um, uh, on Earth Arcana, and some of those things actually were play tested for use in Tome of Foes. You didn't even know it. You didn't even know didn't it. Didn't even know it. I you mean, were, you kind of knew it, but you, know, you didn't know what book it was going in. You didn't know what book exactly. You didn't know where it was going to end up. So, so it's pretty cool to see uh, that, cool. and you can test it out even easier now uh, in D and D Beyond. So go check that out. I will. Uh, Idle right Champions: now. The Forgotten Realms is live with a uh, early access on Steam. That's a pretty fun game. You can jump in and play as a whole bunch of different characters from Dungeons and Dragons lore, including uh, Regis. Drist has been on there. Minskin Boo. Yep. Not to mention our Forced Gray character friends. So like Daddyus, Daddyus the Scarlet from Betrayal at Baldur's Gate has That's been right. in there. Daddyus. So that was one of my favorite Facebook posts of all time. Who's your daddyus? Who's your daddyus? <laughs> good stuff. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so go check out Idol Champions if you can. They have uh, a live stream that they do every uh, Thursday, I believe, at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Okay. So that is worthwhile for you to do. Um, there's also the uh, Tomb of Annihilation content at Neverwinter is wrapping up with Lost City of Omu. It's a new module. Oh, it's no. coming to PC on February 27th. That is a scant few weeks away. Uh, so go get ready to get that onto your thing. And it's the ending of the uh, the Tomb of Annihilation storyline, as I said, Lost City of Omu is, is uh, 
uh, been explored by our friends at Forest Gray as well as many uh, many uh, an adventurer at your table. And now you get to check it out in digital 3D on Neverwinter. And it'll be coming out on Xbox One and PS4 soon after There's that. a lot happening. Pretty exciting about that. Yep. Um, yeah, we got lots of other stuff going on here on the D&D channel uh, on Twitch. Uh, so if you're not watching us live, go check out twitch.tv slash dnd. We record these here podcasts every week, uh, nearly every Monday, uh, around 2 p.m. Pacific time. So come check us out. Uh, and then you should also check out uh, the following day, Mike Merle's Happy Fun Hour. That Did sounds you know about this? fun. Yeah, it's Happy Fun Hour. And, and he basically is designing Dungeons and Dragons before your very eyes. That's really cool, and that would make me really stressed out. It would make you stressed out to do something like that live. Well, he loves it. Uh, he is uh, definitely a consumer of Twitch content, uh, so he's been uh, practicing for for years and years and years and years and years. So now he's got to get it out there for you. I think it's neat. Yep. It's like watching like a, a basketball star practice his free throws or something like that. It's just Mike Merle's. Nothing but net. Yep. Sports references are out. <laughs> Mike Merle. <laughs> Nothing but net. It's good. Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's uh, get going with some fun Let's. lore you should know before we kick it to our interview with our D&D Adventurers League friends. Bing bong. Remember bing bong? <laughs> bong, bong. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Lore You Should Know. My name is Greg Tito, and I'm joined by Mr. Matt Cernet. Howdy. Lore master extraordinaire, and he came up with this topic uh, for this segment in which we talk about D&D lore. Uh, basically, one that we haven't done before, and I think it's super important, is how uh, Matt and the rest of the Dungeons & Dragons team approach what is canon, what is quote-unquote canon, and what is uh, uh, not, I guess, yep. uh, in, in the lore and the story. There's, with the wealth of uh, material that has been published both by uh, you know, people in this building and people without it, uh, it's hard to know exactly what is the right storyline, especially with a game in which what you do at the table is the storyline that is mm-hmm. canon for your table. So we've often said head canon or, or you know, well, this is canon for my game. Uh, so how do we think about that uh, uh, officially? Well, uh, so it, it gets really complex, but it's also really easy. So uh, the complexity comes from the fact that, like, there's been, you know, s- several editions now. And even within an edition, um, any particular point of information might change. Uh, so uh, in the past, there were editors and designers who would keep track of little bits of canon and try and make things consistent. Uh, but that was always a piecemeal effort, and so some people just wouldn't. And, <laughs> and you know, novels wouldn't necessarily keep track of what uh, the, the game uh, design people were doing and vice versa. And so um, it's astonishing how well D&D can hold together, given that it was kind of uh, just by hook or by crook. It was loosey-goosey. Yep, the entire time. Um, so how we handle that now is basically um, whatever's best. <laughs> who, choos- <laughs> who chooses? So it's, it's, it's an interesting process. So it, it depends upon what we're, we're trying to sort of design or do with the game. Uh, when we want to, say, make a new monster for a new monster book, uh, there is a process where 
we have what we call white paper meetings. And that's where um, one person or perhaps sometimes a couple people on a team or something like that go and research Monster X from various editions and try and find what are sort of the most common elements of that monster uh, that come up every edition and what is sort of the most cool thing and then get a general beat on whether or not that monster is something super threatening or not because uh, it's super it sometimes it changes a lot between editions sometimes something is you know CR15 in in 4th edition but CR4 in 3rd mm. um and then in 2nd edition it's worth 10,000 XP you know and so we just have to kind of suss out where we think that lies in the the greater grand scheme of things and we have a discussion about that, and somebody writes up the, the white paper that sort of describes the design tenets for that particular creature, um, and we move forward. Uh, and that kind of, you know, sometimes that will uh, erase little bits of canon from the past because, you know, maybe the creature loses an ability that it had because in some edition, that in some adventures, that ability was critical, but we don't think it's critical overall for the overall arc. Feel of the, the, the creature. Yeah, right? uh, throughout the editions. Um, and so, you know, it can kind of uh, um, call morph it, and change. Yeah, morph and, and change. And, and really what we're trying to do is, is find sort of like the best fit for the edition, the best fit for the game overall, and so on. Now when it comes to something like Forgotten Realms lore, um, you know, hardly anyone's looking at it. Me? So, <laughs> so, and and I'm, but I'm doing the same thing. I'm doing the same process where I, I go through and I I'll look back at the various editions of the game and say, okay, here's what's going on in this place, in this ad- adventure, in this adventure, in this accessory, in this accessory. These are kind of the points that we really should lean on, draw forward. And oh, by the way, there's been a hundred year gap of time where we don't really know what happened. So, if we want to change something, does it make sense to change it? You know, or not, and mm. it's really about um, sort of keeping the uh, the spirit of pl- the place um, sort of correct for what it was, and then also highlighting the the really interesting stuff that may have been buried under a whole bunch of other things in uh, whatever was going on in that product. Got it. So, so what do you do in that process if uh, something is like contradictory, like something that is completely different from? Uh, uh, established things and, and, you know, how do you suss out what makes the most sense then? Well, I try to put it f- that in front of anyone who is doing that design. So, for example, um, you know, I can say to, uh, say Mike's designing a, a subclass that's had a lot of history throughout the editions. You know, I might say, hey, Mike, here's all of the things that are similar about the subclass. This design that you've done looks really awesome. Uh, but this element that you've made that's entirely new kind of violates the tone of all these other things that have happened before. Can we mm. tweak it to be this? Um, and if it's something that's just a straight contradiction, you just have to sort of pick what seems best for <laughs> current needs in the current game. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, like, uh, the power level of um, things in games would creep because... Uh, the previous editions often assumed like a literal creep in time for the Forgotten Realms, for example. Yeah. So uh, if you had an adventure that was released in 1983 for the Forgotten Realms or something like that, um, 87, let's say, and then an adventure that was released in 1989, that adventure in 1989 assumed that the adventure in 1983 happened Mm. and that there was some result there. 
The same was true of novels and accessory products and so on. So there was this gradual creep. And so you can actually, if you look at um, sort of character descriptions, say, you know, like here's some stats for Dritz in this particular product. Uh, his stats creep up product by product so that he becomes just tougher and tougher and tougher. Uh, you know, and that was supposed to show the, the passage of time that like oh these was, are just like player it characters. It was just sort of assumed that that was happening because oh he's gone on adventures and he must be more powerful. Ergo, his you know stats are like this. Well, yeah. at a certain point, Gritz has gone on so many adventures. <laughs> he's beyond the level cap at this point. Like, yeah. he's it's, he's gone too far. Um, so you know, like it doesn't make sense to do that. And then also. The the thing that that does that's really bad for the brand and bad for um, consumers is that if we assume that you that this is happening, then it kind of puts this pressure on the consumer to to buy every single product and to know every single thing that's in that product. And that's why I think, particularly in second and third edition, um, there was a feeling that places like the Forgotten Realms were just too big and too sprawling, had too much going on. And we're too hard to keep track of. Let me just have something simple like, you know, Greyhawk or something where there's only been, you know, a dozen or two dozen products, not just, you know, three dozen, four dozen, five dozen products. Mm. So one of the things that we made a choice to do in 5th edition was um, to stop or at least slow that creep. So the current year in Forgotten Realms is uh, 1490. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Got something in your throat there? Yeah, uh, yeah. I just uh, you know, couldn't clear that out. Um, so... It, we, you know, when we have an adventure now that we release, you know, is out of the abyss before or after Tomb of the Annihilation? Well, if you're going by the actual release dates, then we know the answer to that. It's pretty obvious. Um, but, you know, we don't want to put pressure on the people who are buying the products to say, you know, you have to play these in order. And if you don't, then bar, you know, and if you, did, if, you, if you have this adventure and you don't know what happened in that adventure, then, you know, you're totally screwed or anything like that. So we really want to um, just like stop or slow that down so that there's sort of an ever present now that these things take place in. Interesting. So that feels different from the way pretty much every other medium produces, you know, lore content, right? You know, I mean, you know, the, well, back when the expanded universe was a thing, you could go back into Star Wars and know what happened on one particular date and time and planet of what occurred. And the universes of Dungeons and Dragons feel like there is a history and there's a, this happened and then this happened yeah. and this happened. So most fans want to have that kind of timeline. And, you know, if they want it in the Forgotten Realms, there's 30,000 years of that, right? <laughs> they can go as far back as they want to and as deep as they want to in the lore because there's so much material. Uh, and, you know, but as far as, like, the products we put out year by year... We don't really want to be adding a lot to that pile. Right. We want to. We want to make that just feel more organic and new every time. That makes sense. That makes sense for the current edition. But thinking about how you went in for stuff that was published, you know, say like 1995, you mentioned, you know, there was this idea that the adventures that were put out around that time, that there was an assumed conclusion, mm-hmm. and that assumed conclusion usually was the heroes spoiled whatever plan or right. you know, or didn't, depending on how it was written. Right. Uh, but that's also assuming that when, you know, a player a year later t- picks up another adventure, that in the world, the, the events of that previous adventure had happened, whether or not they played it or not. Right. Right? And then being able to... Right. And so what would hap- often happen with a lot of adventures and products is, is that you'd get... 
uh, sort of a preamble of one to 20 pages of history. Uh, and in the early stages of Forgotten Realms, it was pretty simple uh, because they'd go to some place new, like uh, they, they hadn't been to Icewind Dale. So they go to Icewind Dale. Uh, that's a bad example because I didn't really go there. But they, <laughs> Icewind they Dale. were there already. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they'd have a section that says current clack. And that was sort of Ed's way of saying, okay, here's some news of the surrounding areas of the past year or whatever that, that has happened. And, the, and you'd sort of get an update uh, from some of those other areas that maybe the adventure doesn't take place in or that, that accessory doesn't really describe. And, uh, and it sort of got that sense of this sort of ever-changing now in, in the world that really made it very engaging as someone who is consuming all of the material, as I did. You know, if you're, if you're really reading everything, then it's fun. It's like this living world that you're watching form in front of you. Yeah. You know, but if you aren't buying everything, then it was just this weird maze of stuff. Um, to the point where, you know, now things like, uh, you know, wikis and so on online are super unreliable because it really depends upon whatever um, author's uh, particular take was. You know, did, did they choose this path or that path? Did they look at this product or that product for whatever they're talking about? You whatever know, the canon yeah, for what, the thing is. If right. it's Tiamat or someplace Forgotten Realms or something about Greyhawk, like, you know, did they look at a fan site and take pull their material from there? You know? Because so, <laughs> right, there was a wealth of, yeah. you know, living Greyhawk stuff that was like yep. semi-canon and yep. not canon at all, but like that was just what was assumed and then, right, if that becomes the the source, right, and that's where Wikipedias can, can kind of Yep. Uh, uh, fall apart. Uh, but what about novels? You mentioned, you know, there are novels and there's a wealth of those. Those are a little bit more non-changing in that once they're published, that that is the story that happens to those characters. Right. You know, so those have a little bit more permanency yes. than what you're describing. But, you know, there was a point at which, um, you know, TSR and Wizards at, at various points in the history were producing dozens to hundreds of novels a year. And, and, and so, like, no one was on top of all of that. And so it was really down to whether or not an individual author would do their homework and, um, you know, whether the individual editor would do their homework and sort of research all this canon and stuff and so on and so forth. And in a period before uh, electronic files where you're actually going back through and, and thumbing through paper copies of everything, yeah. um, that was just extremely arduous. And so... Uh, you know, you had to have an enormous base of knowledge in order to sort of write about the topic, or you had to do what many novelists chose to do, which was go someplace where no one's written anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and say, I'm going to plant my flag here. Right. Because, you know, or one person's written one product about it, so I'm going to, you know, do my thing here. So you've got the setting, you've got the yeah. basis of stuff to jump off of, but yeah. you and, felt a little bit more free to tell whatever story you right. wanted to. And that, that was one of uh, Ari Salvatore's reasons for going up all the way up into the Icewind Dale in the first place. That's right. Because that was someplace that he could describe all his own. And plenty of other authors followed suit um, in various parts of the, right. the world. Right. Yeah. No, if you hear him tell it, he was actually told to be like, oh, you can't do, you know, I think it was the, the Flaness or something like that. He was going to go somewhere else. And like, someone else has got that. And he's like, what about this? And you're like, all right, nobody's up there yet, so go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. And you're right. And it does end up being, you know, what you can do. And that's honestly what a lot of dungeon masters might do, too, is if okay, there's this established canon of what happens in the Sword Coast and, and all these certain times, so let's go to somewhere that's 
outside of, of history, yeah. so to speak, so uh, you can make it feel like as living and breathing and, and, and natural as the rest of the world, and you might be able to have some hints of what's happening in Out of the Abyss or other things that are occurring. But whatever happens at that table is the canon. Yeah, and you know, it would be nice if we had a game where people didn't feel like they had to abandon the signature elements of the world. <laughs> so, you know, when we're making products right. now, we, we, we are we're cognizant of that, and we try and make products where they're accessible for anyone who's playing now. They don't need to buy anything else. If you buy a Tomb of Annihilation, you don't need to go back and buy the old Chult book. You know, if you buy... Some adventure that we in the future that we set in Silvery Moon, we're not doing that. But if we did, um, you know, you wouldn't have to go back and buy anything else. You wouldn't yeah. have to go buy, um, you know, Sorcerer's Adventures Guide or anything like that. Everything would be there for you to run your game. Right. So, what advice would you give to people who uh, want to run in more of an established setting like this, and uh, and, and like you said, want to, to be part of the world? Yeah. Uh, what, what advice would you give? I mean, really just lean in as far as you're comfortable, and, and it's your game, so it's, it's your canon. Uh, you know, the, if you want to go down every rabbit hole on a wiki and, and find your information that way, great. If you want to go to DM's Guild and download some of the old second edition modules or accessories and stuff like that and look at that stuff, great. Go for it. Um, you know, there's, there's not really a wrong answer for your home game. Uh, if you're trying to produce something for... DMs Guild and be abreast of current canon on everything. Um, that's trickier. Uh, I, I mean, really there, that, I think that's a place where, you know, it, it is kind of more fun to for consumers for you to flesh out someplace that hasn't been fleshed out before. So, you know, take a little town that's somewhere up on, you know, the, the North Way or whatever and, and um, make it your own and, and you know, make an adventure there and do something like that. So Right. I guess, and I guess, the the hard part with that is, you know, you can always make everything your own. You know, obviously that's that's totally uh, the option. But if someone wants to use, uh, uh, you know, some of the the wealth of knowledge that's been produced by something that's out there, and you're like, well, I'm kind of winging it. You know, I'm making up half of it, but the, you know, half of it that I remember, I'm I'm including in the game. Uh, but then, because so much material is out there and published in public, you might have a player who'd be like, you know, that's actually not true, Elminster does this, you know, and like, or I read Ed's yeah, latest book, yeah. and Ed's latest book says that, you know, Laryl does this, and it's contradicting what the Dungeon Master is just kind of spitballing and right. doing yeah. with... I mean, that's that's basically the canon version of the rules lawyer, so... Right. You know, just, is there a, canon's lo- a <laughs> canon lawyer? Oh, yes, yeah. You know, and, and you, you, I mean, you just have to handle that the same way that you handle, handle that sort of situation. Any sort of um, player who isn't playing along, right? I mean, it's a game, you're, you're there to have fun, so... So you'd say just it makes sense to to set the ground rules, kind of like you know, hey, we're gonna be doing it in this, but yep, what, what what's at the table goes, and yep. you know, you can, it's helpful to do it in a helpful way if you're gonna bring in right. other material, right. but don't ruin anybody's fun. Essentially, I mean, if you're remi- reminding the DM of a rule, like hey, this is the rule because that's gonna kill my character if you do it that way, like that maybe that seems like worthwhile. <laughs> yeah, it's worth getting out there. <laughs> But, you know, if, if, you're, if you're reminding them of some corner case of canon just because I don't know why you'd do that, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think it goes into, I mean, this is one of the things that I never really grokked about Dungeons and Dragons uh, until I played it much more. It was like when I was a kid, I was reading all this lore and being like, this is so, this is another world. It's a mm-hmm. way to transport your consciousness into something that has its own rules and things and, and, and you know, everybody's got to kill the next druid to get to the next level of druid and I just thought that was fascinating right that the idea that there's all things going in there but then in actual play none of those 
no, not none of those. Not all of those things kind of coalesce. You know, mm-hmm. you don't always feel like every single detail is something that makes. 100% sense to every single player at the table. Right. And I think, you, you know, there's, a, there's an adjustment. Well, there was for me anyway, like adjustment period to be like, all right, well, this is not the, you know, the, 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 the complete alternate reality of my dreams that I could jump into, but it has limitations and rules. And you just, once, once you kind of get used to those limitations, you can you're feel a little bit more free. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, as far as like um, worlds that you can kind of dive into and, um, you know, really get that sense of it is an, an alternate space, like it is a different um, place to enjoy. Like, it, it's hard to think of anything that beats the Forgotten Realms. I mean, obviously the Star Wars expanded universe, you, you can just go infinite there. But, um, it, you know, th- there's been so many books and novels and, and so on and so forth for Forgotten Realms that it it, it, it does give that sense of, of a, a, you know, a world to explore with all that reading. Right, right. Yeah. That's certainly why I love it. Yeah. That is why you love it? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're always finding out new stuff in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like every day at work, I find something you know random and new. You know, I'm like, and and sometimes you know, it's uh, something that's something weird, like that weird island out in the middle of that ocean, in the middle of the continent that has some gnomes on it that keep on breaking a window, and that's the story behind that weird island. <laughs> <laughs> Why did somebody put that in the game? Why are the gnomes breaking the island? <laughs> so there, the, the mirror. there's there's an, there's a, a a cold ocean way in the north in the middle of the continent. And I forget the name of it, but it has an island right smack dab in the middle of it, and it's got a funky name. And it's like, oh, that's cool. What's that? And you go and you look in the lore, and there's a cathedral on there, and there's some gnomes that are breaking the windows because they don't like what the gnomes are doing there. And there's some other gnomes that keep on repairing the window because they do like, and that's it. Like that's all there. <laughs> and it's, it's like, why, why? Did someone put that in a in a setting book? Yeah. Like why, why, why did that? No, that doesn't. Oh. Oh, that sounds so, amazing though. At the same time, right? Like it's so it's so bizarre. But yeah. Uh, but you know, then there's you know there's other stuff like. Uh, I don't know. Let's see if there's anything re- recent at work that I can talk about. Um, <laughs> I don't. Know, I don't want to yeah. tax your uh, your deception skills too much. Well, but there will be little little elements of lore, um, you know, that I I pick up that you know basically help connect dots in current stories that we're making. You know, where where it's like, you know, we're struggling with how the plot goes in some adventure or something like that. And I'm like, oh, but wait, hey, that character that you're using that adventure. Uh, did this in this source product, and they had this item, and that item looks like something you could be, you could use, you know, and yeah, voila, we have you know something happening, that, and then it harkens back to old lore and stuff like that as well. Right, so it, it does the thing of, of serving to to further reinforce what's interesting and cool about the Forgotten Realms, while also allowing you know the current designers to put their own tack on it. Right, right, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. and then think about it. I mean, every. Dungeon master at their table who's playing in the Forgotten Realms or one of our other, you know, kind of published settings is like doing that same thing every single time. They find the cool thing that they want to explore and get out there. Maybe it's an island of gnomes in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> now you need to follow up and let us know what that crazy name is. And A, then find out who wrote that. Now I also want to be like, what is it? What's with the gnomes? With the window? It's got to be something with Spelljammer. That's... It, it always goes back to Spelljammer, doesn't it? Yeah. We'll go back into the realm space. So that's super fascinating. I love uh, how we think about uh, uh, lore and just, 
you know, what it means and to each individual players and, and, and all that. And I'm glad that not all of the, the adventures that we published in 5th edition are sequential and, like, this is what's happening now, this is what's happening now. And I like the idea of, in fact, I've, I've heard of one player who's combining all of them to happen concurrently. Wow, crazy. Yes, right? They're like, <laughs> oh, the giants are doing this, and the demons are coming from underneath, and all the time, the cult of the dragon. All right, is I'm doing... out. I'm just going to go to like Arborea or something. I'm out. Yeah, that's, that's the answer, right? <laughs> Finally, you can get back to Mastika. <laughs> it's the only way. Yep. All right, awesome. Thank you, Matt. Uh, how can people get in touch with you and uh, ask you more direct questions about what lore is canon and what isn't? I'm on Twitter at, at CERN, S-E-R-N-E-T-T. Awesome. I hope you get inundated with questions now. You know, like, people ask me every now and then. I'm happy to field them. They're fun. That's awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I am at Greg Tito, and you can ask me all those questions as well, and I'll forward them right on to Matt uh, for, for all that fun stuff. And we'll be back uh, next week with another fun segment. So thank you very much for listening. <laughs> Have I said you're a good person yet? No. You are a good person. <laughs> Thank you. Say it again. For listening to these Lore You Should Know segments oh. with me. Uh, I know that you now know everything about... Uh, Bing and Bong. The Bing and the Bong. I know. It was really good. I love it. Has anyone ever said that Bing Bong is the name of the guy from Inside Out? No. The Pixar movie? Bing Bong, Bing Bong. I haven't bong. seen that, that one yet. Here's one who likes to think. Bing Bong, Bing Bong. It's, yeah. So that's why all of our... Uh, <laughs> Bing bong conversations about the music that goes into Lori Chanel. That's what that's all about. What? I know. Right. <laughs> you know, before we blow up our heads for real, Jeez. we should we should go on to the interview, don't you think? Too late. All right. So yes, we have called up these amazing folks. We have Lisa Chen and Alan Patrick. Hello. 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 You guys are admins for the D and D Adventurers League. It's true. It is true. Uh, so, I mean, I guess we've been doing, this is like the third one of our, like, inside yeah. with uh, the admins. Inside the Adventures League. So th- you are you are uh, fifth and sixth in that placing. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, <laughs> at yeah. At least we placed. You, you <laughs> yes. placed, exactly, right? You're in the money. Uh, so, uh, uh, Lisa, why don't you give us kind of a, for people who, you know, uh, if people haven't listened to the previous ones, what is the D&D Adventures League? And what is an admin? And what is an admin, yes. Um, well, uh, the D&D Adventurers League is Wizards of the Coast's, like, official play campaign for Dungeons & Dragons. Um, you can, uh, create a character using Adventurers League rules, uh, play in any of the hardcover adventures and some modules especially written for Adventurers League, um, and then bring that character, uh, to, um, games in your living room or your friendly local game store or a convention, um, and just use our log sheets to keep track of all of the rewards and all the cool things that happen to your character. Uh, it is super duper fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the administrators are, I guess, the people who make that happen. Um, and uh, community administrators uh, in particular, uh, we help make it happen. Um, and then we also help talk about it. That's oh, cool. It's- that's a good way to say it. Yes, we do all the Twitter and Facebook, email, website, all of that stuff. And then we spend a whole lot of time uh, getting out to local events and, uh, you know, national events and stuff as well. Sweet. And so as, like, the the, the uh, community-themed admins, you talk to all the others. So you you talk to to, uh, Claire and Travis and Bill and Mark. 
Greg Marks. No, his name Greg is Greg. Marks. You're yes. still mad that I'm still there's mad that there's Greg. another Greg. So I'm going <laughs> to always refer to him. Refer to him as Marks. Right. Maybe so you, you guys meet up uh, and, and talk quite often, and then you are the ones that kind of filter it out to the community at large. Is that basically it? Uh, a lot of it. We uh, we deal uh, with a lot of the inbound requests as well. So the community reaching out and talking, you know, to uh. us or trying to interface <laughs> with each other. We help facilitate those communications. Uh, I mean, there's a it's it's a big weird place out there, and we love every minute of it. <laughs> Are you talking about the internet at, at large? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it does get weird. It totally does. Yeah, it, we're in our element. I'll just put it right out there. Um, so, Lisa, you've been on a, a bunch in the last six months or so. I feel like we've talked to you twice already. This is um, appearance number three. I'm wondering, is there someone, uh, aside from people on Wizards of the Coast staff, like what's the most number of times someone has been on Dragon Talk? Huh. That's a good question. I think Wolfgang, Wolfgang Bauer has been on three times as well. Uh-oh. Four? I'm coming for you, More. Wolfgang. Yeah. Do it. Oh, no. no. <laughs> I've got to work hard, but uh, I, I want that title. We got to get All like right. a five timers jacket and everything. No, like SNL. I think there does need to be some kind of award. There does need to be an award. I think three we... too. I mean, three should get an award. Well, crap. Different levels. I don't have an award <laughs> to <laughs> give to Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. Is my phone. You can have my cell phone. That's the you award. You can that... talk to Greg Tito's kids. <laughs> you can talk to my kids. That's right. <laughs> That's so entertaining Yay, and fun. It is. I've they call to me them. in meetings now because uh, they have the, we have one of those Alexa spot things. So they'll be like, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll accept that call. And I'm like, hey guys, look, we're in this meeting with my kids now. It's awesome, fun. Um, so that's awesome. Uh, so we know a little bit more about your history, Lisa, than we do Alan. So I'm going to talk to Alan and be like, when did you start uh, Dungeons and Dragons play in your life? What is your D and D origin story? My my origin story. That's uh, it's a good way to put it. It was uh, it was a long time ago in a galaxy uh, pretty close. It was <laughs> m- many many years ago. Uh, I was in middle school, and it was one of those things where I grew up in a, a very rural area. D and D books weren't really positively received, so I had to sneak it into my bag and sneak it out at night. Uh, I spent a lot of time with that second edition player's handbook, and I I still have like three of them on my shelf. It's fantastic. Uh, the, same copy, the same copy. The same copy. No, my original copy, I loaned it to somebody, and at that point, like, the covers had fallen off, and it had been rebuilt with duct tape and new cardboard and all sorts of stuff, so I'm just going to assume it's in a better place, but uh, I replaced it. <laughs> uh, I got into DMing early, because uh, a bunch of my friends thought the whole idea was really cool, but they were really intimidated, yep. and I didn't know any better, so I dived right in. That makes sense. Well, so you were in middle school. When uh, What, what kind of era of, of D&D was that? Was that firmly second edition? Is that what you were talking about? Um, the it was the basically shortly after the release of uh, AD and D Second Edition. So okay. uh, it's it's been a little while. Uh, I happened to get very very lucky and got a bunch of Ravenloft products for very cheap, and uh, that comes across in a lot of my current work. Uh, I spend a lot of time with the uh, with the dark places. <laughs> oh. You're into the occult, as it were. Uh, which is exactly what your, uh, your, you know, the people who didn't watch yeah, playing Dungeons and Dragons were worried. They were afraid of. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, I got to live up to the expectation. <laughs> so who? So did somebody introduce you to D anD D, or did you see it in a store, or did you hear about it? I uh, who did this uh, one to of my, you? Who did this to me? Indeed, <laughs> uh, one of my friends in school had the book out on his desk, oh. and uh, I saw the oh. cover art. 
It was. It was very bold. Uh, but I saw the cover art, the uh, the Cavalier on the horse running through the uh, the canyon, and it was immediately taken with it. And I, I looked at him and said, Chris, what are you doing with this thing? It looks really cool. What is it? And he looked at me and he said, I bought this. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Here, you take it. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Well, I found out later it's because uh, his parents had threatened to ground him if he'd brought it home. But Oh, uh, so cool. it's like the ring. <laughs> he was looking yes. for it. <laughs> Get it out of here. You pulled your yeah. hair down in front. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. That's so, super so cool. Have... So you said you've always been a, more of a dungeon master. Uh, yeah. What, uh, what, what, you, uh, so you started in the Ravenloft kind of realm? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I I got a big pile of Ravenloft stuff early on. For a long time, all I had was the uh, the player's handbook and the DMG. And uh, my, my first like campaign stuff, well, no Greyhawk, no Forgotten Realms. It was straight to Ravenloft. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it for well, what it presented. It was a bunch of different, uh, very, very different domains. And each one had its own theme and feel. So I could run a couple of short games over here and then without rolling up new characters or maybe rolling up new characters, we could go have a completely different theme of game uh, just by making a, you know, a, a short trek across the, uh, the Indiana Jones map with the, you know, we have the animated red line and call it a day. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. But we got to explore a whole lot of stuff very, very quickly. And, uh, you know, it's short attention span theater sometimes. I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> totally. Try to fire as many images and uh, uh, things of them as people can to, to hold their attention. <laughs> so yes. how did you two get involved with the D&D Adventurers League? Uh, okay. Uh, Who did this to you? Well, let's talk to Lisa <laughs> since you've been yeah. talking. I'm sure, Lisa, we've asked you this, but I'm a... I'm an old lady um, with short-term well, memory issues. Well, uh, before I, I talk about me, I do want to say true to his Ravenloft uh, uh, origin story, Alan, if you guys don't know, has a reputation for being the admin who writes really, really terrifying adventures. Oh. Um, <laughs> no, one of which I, I had the pleasure of playing, and there's like one point, it's not a huge spoiler, where there's like a big thrumping, like like a thumping noise, and my DM like boom, banged boom, on the boom, table boom, suddenly. Boom, boom, boom. And I was at a convention, and I screamed and fell out of my chair, and everyone turned and looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> I to didn't go with- know. To go with it, I was at an event in Atlanta this past weekend, and one of the players was telling another player about this adventure that he went on, and it was very memorable, and whoever wrote it was just, oh, he's a sadist, and that guy, I don't even know who it was, we're just going to call him the Butcher. I was standing behind him at the time. (gasps) (laughs) When do you ever get to do that? When do you ever get to be like, um, by the way, that was me who was the Butcher. (laughs) (laughs) And we chit-chatted, it was a very nice conversation, and at the end of it... He realized who I was, and uh, he he admitted that he had a hard time putting together that there's this guy smiling, talking to me, being very nice and polite, and he wrote a thing that may have scarred me emotionally. (laughs) It's always the nice ones, the really super, like, sweet, kind, soft-spoken, like, Adam Lee? Yeah. Mm. He is dark. He goes dark. But he's so sweet. He's so nice, He's like little yoga man, and just like... Stephen King is a very, like, warm, fuzzy, like, just want to give him a mm-hmm. bear hug. Do you, do you suppose that if you didn't have this outlet, <laughs> we would not be saying it's always the nice ones? <laughs> uh, he, he might still be known as the butcher, but for different reasons. Right? <laughs> right. I don't, 
I don't want to go there. <laughs> That's weird. Like, why? What you are, work it out. Is it just like, yeah. are you, uh, is this the stuff that you like playing and reading and watching as well? Or is this stuff that really does terrify you and this is your way to reconcile those feelings? Let's get therapeutic here. Let's get therapeutic. Uh, yeah, thriller stuff, man. That's uh, that, that's my bread and butter. If it makes you think and you get into it and you can kind of feel what all the other characters are feeling, that's my bread and butter. And you know, that's that's really what I want to get out of a game as a DM and as an author. And really, what I hope people want to get out as a player, because uh, I know that's those are the things I go for with uh, you know TV shows and movies and all that sort of stuff. It's not gore. It's not you know big jumpy scares. Right. It's atmospheric. There's nothing like a good setting a good atmosphere because that'll define your whole gaming experience yes so oh hello kitty oh kitty kitty <laughs> that was the, that was a good uh, kitty wipe uh, uh, as, a, saw, like, as a transition the cat there go by <laughs> uh, so I mean that's I mean a lot of D&D kind of things does go into uh, uh, horror or, or or things that are suspenseful or scary and 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 that's the atmosphere that you want to have in your game, but it's not necessarily the atmosphere you want to have in your community. So how is it like... Ah, <laughs> good segue. How, is, how, do, how do you reconcile those two? Yeah. yeah. That was good. I'm a professional. Uh, Thank you. Oh, you're such a pretty I kitty. <laughs> the, the kitty tosses are getting less and less gentle. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you're like, get down. <laughs> it's like me yelling at my kids. Yeah, like, yeah you're right. First time it was cute. Yeah. Second time. Mm-mm. Your mother. Uh, so yeah, Lisa, what do you, what do you guys do uh, for for the community to make sure that everybody feels like uh, they can come to you if they have problems or or things like that? Yeah, I mean, I think that is just um, generally like Alan and I are basically interacting with the community every day through Twitter and through Facebook, um, trying to answer as many questions as we can. Although um, on Facebook, especially, the community is really great at like kind of jumping in on those frequently asked questions. Mm. Um, and we just try to, when we interact with people, set a really friendly, helpful tone. We're the examples people are looking up to. Um, if someone answers something in a less than friendly way, we just kind of gently remind them that we want the community to be really inclusive and welcoming, especially to people who are really new. Um, and we just sort of, okay, cat. That cat has a message for you. It is. And we just sort pet of me. Pet me. I don't even remember what I was going to say. Love me. That cat really is clearly aggressive. a quest giver. Uh, if you can pet and talk at the same time, uh, that cat is really cute. Yeah, she's pretty cute. Oh yeah, sorry, they, they can't see. No, <laughs> oh, there is a cat that we can see who is uh, in the in the camera. Thank you for that, Ryan. And it's a super cute kitty. It is a very cute kitty. Aww. Um, because Lisa, you being yourself a new uh, uh, player, you must have an affinity to people who are coming into this community kind of brand new, right? Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, when I started my Adventurers League night, um, gosh, just so like October 2016, I was really new and I used uh, the community as a font of information, um, especially the Facebook group, which is really active uh, just to get advice on starting a new night. I also um, like would reach out to lots of uh, local people in the community uh, for advice on putting events together. Um, and then when I wanted to run my first epic at a store, um, the reason that was able to happen was because I posted on Facebook, I have no idea how to make this happen, but I really, really want it to happen. What do I do? Um, and the community um, 
uh, gave me a lot of advice and then eventually like hooked me up with uh, Bill Benham's email uh, and he helped me make that a bit possible. Um, and I wouldn't be here talking to you guys today if none of that had happened. So Right. So it's like awesome. you're paying it forward now by being that person for, for when people come in and, and want to learn, learn more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and something I'm hoping on working on since I found just talking to people in the community and meeting people uh, has been so awesome. I've started uh, kind of behind the scenes now chatting with different members of the community, either uh, community organizers or dungeon masters, um, just event organizers in general and getting their advice on how to run just a weekly night at a store, how to run at conventions, um, to kind of facilitate the spreading of that information and that knowledge that everybody has. Cool beans. So what are your what are your tips for that, for running uh, well, an event, a weekly event? Um, let's see. So for a weekly event, um, I actually spoke uh, with, um, oh my gosh, now I'm blanking on it, Petrina uh, in Singapore who just started um, like a really robust community there. Um, and to start out at a store that's not running Adventurers League, they will put together uh, an event uh, just for people who've never played D&D before. Mm-hmm. Um, they advertise it a bunch because there's a bunch of people who are really interested but really nervous because it seems like um, kind of like a big leap to, to try it the first time. Yeah. Uh, and they will run uh, exclusively um, uh, really short content. So the first uh, module uh, for each Adventurers League season will have um, five one-hour um, uh, like mini adventures, uh, and so a one-hour adventure is a really good way to just give someone a taste of D and D, and it doesn't feel like a huge commitment. Like you're signing up for, say, like a four-hour event, and you're not sure if you like the game or not. Um, and so she, that was I thought was a really good tip. Yeah, um, that is cool. For stores to do that, Ooh. a lot of conventions like um, like the Paxes will do that sort of thing. I like that's that's the first adventure for the for the seasons. Uh, if I'm going to take that taste analogy, it's kind of like a flight. It's like you know, here's oh, yeah. here's several different tastes of different kinds yes. of adventures uh, that are all themed. You know, they're all in the same kind of. That actually sounds really good. It sounds right really now. tasty right now. I kind of want yeah. a flight of uh, <laughs> a wines. I- IPA flight. Oh, see, yeah. I'm not an IPA person. You're not a person then. That's right. <laughs> Never what? takes long for gamers to start talking about beer. I'm it's, okay with it this. goes right into it. Weird. What's your familiar's name, Lisa? This is Clara. Hi, Clara. She's aggressively cuddly, and if I stop petting her, she will bite me. So. Oh, that oh. makes sense. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Always? Well, as long as you can cast spells through her, I guess she's okay. Well, look at her cute little smiling kitty face. That is a cute face, for sure. That is a cute cat. Uh, so, Alan, what's uh, what's going on with the community, like, you know, now-ish, uh, that might be really the fun and interesting topic. to talk about? Yeah, what's the hot topic and not the vampire store in the mall? That <laughs> not the vamp- no, no, not, not the hot topic store. The Raven uh, Lob store? The Raven Lob store. <laughs> we've been uh, looking for ways to, like, just boost the uh, the community interactivity. And, uh, you know, when uh, when we were bringing Lisa on, uh, she and I had actually been talking for a little while. And we did some uh, some midwinter stuff. Uh, you, I, I know you guys already covered that. Yeah. Uh, but that was a, a, a really cool way to get people to start banding together and really encourage them to talk amongst themselves and come up with more role play ideas. And that spiraled and almost got out of control, but coalesced into a little something that is called the Red War. What uh, this is the Red is a, War? The Red War, it sounds very intimidating. Yes, it does. Uh, it does. <laughs> it is a completely player-driven event, like uh, pretty much out of the blue. A couple of players banded together. One guy put his name at the top of the letter, uh, his character name, 
And then uh, at the end, he put his actual name and his DCI number. Uh, but he did this in-character uh, declaration. He says, we, the Emerald Enclave, and especially me, we're declaring war on the Thans. The Red Wizards have taken over Mullmaster, and we don't agree with it, and they're just a big pile of jerks, so we're going to war, and that's what we're doing. What? And that, so in the organi- so yeah. back up a little bit, because I know there might be some listeners who, who, who uh, are not unfamiliar with some of that. So what are the factions that, uh, uh, so people understand what the Emerald Enclave is? I mean, we've done Laurie Cheneau segments on the Emerald Enclave, but what does it mean in the, in the uh, context of the D&D Adventurous League? So in a very, very distilled, very boiled down uh, description, the Emerald Enclave are your nature-themed uh, – they're, they're your characters who are most interested in nature, right? The, the power of nature, the might of nature, and the right of nature. They want to promote that above all else. Uh, but the factions and, themselves within the groups too. Uh, maybe yep. people don't realize how important they play into uh, Adventurous League. Yeah, especially as you get into those higher level adventures, each of the factions brings its own unique flavor to those. Like tier three and tier four, they'll have, uh, you know, th- there might be special sections inside those adventures that uh, sort of uh, spotlight how the Zentara might interact with a certain portion of this content and how the Harpers might and how the Emerald Enclave might and so on. Uh, because, uh, you know, the, the higher your level, the more impactful, theoretically, the more impactful you are across the world and the more well-known you might be. You're a big hero of the of, of Faerun and, uh, you know, live it up. You're doing big, important things. Right. So in addition to, like, creating your character with, uh, uh, you know, your class and race and background and things like that, over the course mm-hmm. of play in the Adventurers League, you might affiliate yourself with the Harpers or the Centaurum, the Emerald Enclave, the right. Knights Alliance, Lord's Alliance. The Lord's Alliance. And I'm missing one. What's the fifth one? The Order of the Gauntlet. Order of the Gauntlet. Right. Yes. Uh, so those are the five. We, we, we introduced those in like the when fifth was uh, mm-hmm. announced, right? Mm-hmm. As like being like yep. these are our factions that that are out there. I'm looking to Shelley because she knows. I remember. <laughs> I do. You do. They, we had the banners for I them do. and I everything. Remember the banners. Yeah. Chris Tulak was really proud of those banners. They're really cool banners. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know some some folks who might not be as uh, uh, into organized play. Like that's one of the, the features of it is that there's stuff written within the adventures that are uh, it's only really unlocked or, or talked about unless one of the one or more of the players is a Harper or a yep. member of the Black the Black Network. So do correct? you have to join a faction? Can you, you just kind of be a free agent? You, you can be a free agent if you like. There's some extra bells and whistles, not necessarily you know hard rewards for being in a faction, but there are definitely some benefits. At low levels, your faction can help. You know, uh, they might provide you a free resurrection, you know, free raise dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as you progress throughout your career, there are other benefits uh, just based on how uh, involved you've been in the campaign. So they, you know, they may offer to sell you a magic item here or there, or you know, once you get to those higher levels. You may be their special agent, and they may have an assignment for you. Mm-hmm. Right. So you built up this kind of construct of there being uh, these political entities in the Forgotten Realms that the mm-hmm. players have direct contact with, if not, you know, having some some ownership of yep. what each faction does. Right. So then yeah. enter the Red War. Yeah. So we we do have some NPC leaders, but uh, you know the the higher level characters they they do have some influence. And uh, these guys from the Emerald Enclave, Tick Terry Tanner was the uh, the one who initially did it. Uh, just put this uh, this uh, this letter together, all stylized, and it had some art and everything on there. It was pretty cool. Uh, and sent it to us and said, "Hey, we the undersigned are we are going to war against the the Thaeans, and we hope other people join us, but we're just committed to this course of action." And, and it was all uh, in know, character, right? It was all in character, yeah. And that brought out a bunch of other people. And they were they they very strongly played into the, the role play 
structure of each of their factions. So the Zentarum, you know, the, the black network of spies and black marketeers, um, they had some really strong opinions both for and against this. Uh, the Lord's Alliance being a, uh, you know, uh, an organization that is very economically minded, uh, saying that as diplomatically as possible. <laughs> uh, they uh, they were not real thrilled that someone was going to go to war against an entity that is currently trying to rebuild a major port city. Because at this point, the port city is saying, you know what, we're just going to withdraw from all trade. And that's a crippling blow to the Lord's Alliance uh, interest. Mm. And then you've got the Order of the Gauntlet, who wants to you know basically protect everybody, even if that means protecting them from themselves. So even they're a little bit split. So we're seeing some really cool interactions. And we're trying to foster where, that with Where is this all? Yeah, where? so yeah, maybe Lisa, you can talk. Like, where is this all playing out? Oh, so um, it started uh, with folks in just the main Adventurers League group. Um, and on Facebook? Each of the factions, Facebook? Uh, on Facebook, yes. Uh, and each of the factions has started, like, creating uh, their own Facebook groups. Um, mm. There's some people who have story awards who are Lords of Mullmaster. They've created uh, their own group. Um, some of them have taken it to Discord. Um, and all of it is, like, mostly just posts in character, role-playing every once in a while. They'll have, like, a little tag that says something's out of character. Um, but they try to keep it in character, which is really cool. Um, and uh, recently they organized sort of their own little event um, uh, called like the Faction Summit. Uh, and so people from all different factions came together to kind of debate everything in character together. Um, and I know sometimes people can say, especially at a convention, if it's a bunch of strangers coming together to play Adventures League for um, for a bunch of different reasons, it can be hard to like really get into character and role play. Um, in that setting. Um, and so it's been really cool seeing the community sort of blossom the second they got an outlet to do that. That's yes. really interesting. And all yeah. community driven, like all fan made groups that. Yeah. You you, you guys really as the admins didn't mm-hmm. start this. Didn't it just kind of spun it, up on all on its own. Yeah. And that's something that we really want to continue to foster. Now, as, as we progress with this, uh, we want to encourage more role play interactions with it. And we are focused on our main group. So we have a DM group. And uh, like Lisa said, we have the main Facebook group. Um, we don't really step into those uh, faction centric uh, Facebook groups or even the Discord service may pop in there from time to time on request. But in those environments, we are merely players. We are not administrators. That is their playground. They are crafting all of this uh, this narrative and you know uh, th- their own reality uh, for here, and man, it's been it's been really cool to see all this development going on from the players. Yeah, I mean, it gets at at that meta thing that I love about organized play so much. Where it's, I mean, I think uh, uh, I forget. I think it might have been uh, Claire who said this word. Like, we want Adventurers League to feel like it is, you know, a one big. D and D campaign that's played by thousands, you know, not tens of thousands of people, and mm-hmm. this is the this is one of those things that kind of drives that home where it feels like, yeah, this is, you know, I mean, I played in a campaign where um, we get into role play email chains back and forth and stuff like that, and like, you know, it feels like it adds to the to complexity of this, and that's this is basically that writ mm-hmm. large yeah. on a public forum where everybody who wants to pay attention to it can pay attention to it and feel like they're uh, uh, affecting something. I think that's so fascinating. Yes, uh, I was a. I, I worked on muds and mushes for a long time. Oh yeah, and that was something that really kept me going back to like my my two that I kept logging back into, because we'd have forty or fifty players, and like our our guilds, our factions defined our experience in the game. 
for sure. And now that's happening uh, uh, right now. So uh, just one thing I want to make sure people – there are a couple uh, – what is, what is Mole Master? In case so Molemaster, uh, Molemaster is uh, it, it's one of the major cities along the Moonsea. Uh, it is the city of danger. There has been a Thean presence there uh, to varying degrees, basically since the city's inception. Uh, it is they have a thing called the Arcane Edict, where arcane magic is we'll just say very seriously frowned upon unless you meet certain criteria. Uh, oh. It is a hotbed of ne'er do wells and. Uh, all sorts of illicit activity. Uh, being as it's the the major port on the Moon Sea, there's uh, a lot of opportunity for shipping things from the far north down through the Sea of Fallen Stars and beyond. And so, all right, so the Moon Sea is where a lot of uh, Adventures League stuff has been set in the past, correct? Yes, that's our first couple of seasons were up there, and uh, after after uh, season four, uh, we launched what's called the CCC program, the con- uh, excuse me, the Convention Created Content Program. So uh, we've moved a lot of our content bo- out towards the. S- <laughs> <laughs> the uh, we've moved our stuff out to the Sword Coast, but now conventions uh, can actually design content inside the CCC uh, uh, program, and that means that everything in that general Moonsea area of the cities of Flan and uh, Hallberg and uh, Mulmaster for sure. Uh, they they have a pretty open slate with what they can do, and we're seeing some really cool content come out. I'm really hoping to see people start putting together pitches for all the Red War stuff. Yeah, that's fascinating. So uh, it is a little bit like, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm really interested to see where it goes. Like it kind of it feels like it's it's this this evolution of something, but you know, it can also be terrifying too to be like well what you know how do we how do we yeah. respond to this so i'm i'm encouraged to see that you guys are talking about it and participating in it and uh, mm-hmm. I, I, can't, I can't wait to see yeah. what what the next step is i love here. how it's encouraged the role playing aspect of it you know that's yes. a good intro to the people who maybe are new they're a little you know tentative about role playing this is giving them a perfect outlet to just jump in there yes yeah. it's totally an easy on ramp especially like some people might be nervous about role playing at the table, yeah, because um, you're really like on the spot, and maybe you don't know people or how they're going to receive your role playing. Uh, but when you're online, you can kind of take your time to craft your response, make sure it's exactly what you would want your character to say. It's a little easier to try it out. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Are there? Uh, so, I mean, you guys have handed out certs, uh, which are uh, uh, certificates that can. You know, usually end up being benefits or boons to to characters, right? And you mentioned what well, some of them are are nominal, and they're they're the lords of so the mole master and, and other things too. Uh, and now, what I think that's really funny is that people are using those to be like, "Well, I'm a lord, a mole master, right? So I'm going to start acting like a lord now." And they're like taking things that were, you know, I mean, everybody's played MMOs or something like that where you're like, "I'm the lore master of so and so," and it's just a title, right? And now here it is; these titles are now have consequences. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I love seeing people who've like collected lots of different titles from all these different games and story awards. And when they introduce their characters in these interactions, they list every single one. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> it's, great. Mm-hmm. it's like they have mm-hmm. a, a, a herald coming out and yep. being like, you know, <laughs> leader of the first men. This is my page boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is cool. It is so amazing. Uh, it is. So the community-wise, like, seems like they, they, they are, are, are latching on to, you know, the tools that are available to, like, you know, uh, modern D&D players, which I think is fantastic. Um, yes. You mentioned the Discord servers. Uh, 
what 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 are those and and, and you know I mean because I'm sure they're gonna have listeners who are not really sure uh, how to get involved in that kind of a thing Discord is uh, it, it serves a couple of purposes but for what we've been chatting about it's uh, primarily a voice chat server so you can log in you have your you know, you can log in as your character name and just chat back and forth with other people in that channel. And there are some folks who actually organize Theater of the Mind D and D games through uh, Discord. And there are uh, uh, there are a lot of opportunities to you know get your D and D fix by using all sorts of online tools. Just Discord happens to be one of them. Oh, so when you I, for some reason when you I, I guess I really wasn't sure like Discord was a voice app. I thought it was uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like a, a chat app. Yeah, it's it can actually do... both. Oh, okay. Yep. yep. So people who are role playing can play, you know, <laughs> basically have an R, like an RP session with them with their voice, but then they can also uh, chat if they're if they're not comfortable doing that kind of thing by typing. Correct. Yeah. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that like as Lisa and I were talking about when she, as she was coming on and joining the team, like we want to sort of decentralize the whole D and D experience, right? I know I sit at a table because I love having that social experience. And now we have so many digital tools that allow us to duplicate that. Seeing people embrace things like, uh, you know, Google Hangouts and Discord and, uh, you know, even some of the elements of, you know, Fantasy Grounds and World 20 and all that. That's that's victory. That's what I want to see. That is cool. Yeah. And speaking of which, have you seen a lot of, of players uh, adopting uh, D&D Beyond for, for use at the table? Uh, I I saw a fair number of people actually at the event this weekend. Uh, it's still a it's still a growing tool, and uh, overall, you know, the the fan response seems to be pretty positive. I've been seeing a lot of it. You know, I, I you know I brought an iPad to the the D and D Adventures League event I went to, and there are a lot of people who had sheets printed out with that kind of thing too. So I was I was I think it's an easier in for people mm-hmm. to just create a character and, and jump in. Yes. I forget if I raved about D&D Beyond last time I was on, but I've now transitioned to, like, I solely use D&D Beyond when I'm DMing. I don't even crack open the hardcover book anymore. For I'm, I'm running Tomb of Annihilation. Um, and it's really helpful. There's, like, quick links to different sections. I can just pull up monsters and different tabs from the DM side. It is great. Oh, you're really even thinking about it as far as, like, the character creation yep. thing. You're just as far as getting the information quickly? Um, I got it um, uh, to DM my weekly Adventures League night. Um, but I've been lucky enough to be invited uh, to uh, some streams where I just needed to throw together, like, a quick character. And so then I started using the character builder. Um, and it's been really easy to do that. And you don't have to, like, double check a million times that you've got everything. It just takes you through the steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a point a couple of weeks ago where I was like, oh, I got to make a character, uh, I, I think, for, for one of the, the uh, in-house games here at, uh, at the office. And I, had, I, would, I just I had momentarily forgotten about D&D Beyond. I was like, oh, crap, I got to do this, and I got to add up this. And wait, do I do – which one? Is, and no, then I was I like, don't. oh, wait a second. And so I literally, like, stopped that character and, like, completely started a whole hog on, on D&D Beyond. And I was like, oh, and I can use this at the Adventures League thing that I'm going to the next week. And it was like oh. – it was so simple. Perfect. I'm not even blowing smoke up what Adam Bradford and the Curse team is doing. Like I've always been that digital player more than mm. anything else. Like in, in 3.5, I had a uh, uh, a spreadsheet uh, that had all of my my player stats on it, and and oh, were updated like that way because the was, early stages of D and D Beyond. Yeah, pretty much. Let's, let's be mm-hmm. fair. In 3.5, we all had spreadsheets. <laughs> it was a game <laughs> of spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, my my poor ranger who had six attacks and different modifiers based on what he was fighting against. That's I was like, I can't I think about this anymore. Let's just. It was so confusing. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot <laughs> of adding. What, that's what I learned. D and D. I'm like, this is. It's like you needed a slide rule. This is really hard. It's taking a really long time to make this character. <laughs> I wasn't even making it. Right. It's taking a long time to watch somebody make my character. <laughs> like, are you it's done like they didn't even know how to do it. Right. No. The, yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot so, of sorry. A lot of what? No. Go ahead. No, you. Fine. So polite. Um, so, are you seeing a lot of new people coming into the community? Holy cats. A ton. I think this month for the Facebook group, we've added 3,500 so far. What? Yeah. 3,500? Yeah. In a month? Yeah. That's a lot. You've added to the Facebook. What is that? What is the group up to now? Uh, I think we're, uh, I can tell you if you give me a second. Uh, I, I think we're pushing 24,000. Wow. And that's a lot of where the, the faction organization was happening or where it started, right? Yeah. Those new, those new people. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So uh, it's, I'm sorry, it's a little closer to 3,000. We're at 23,300 members uh, as of right now. Uh, we've got the DMs group, which has some people who are double registered and some people who are only in the DMs group. Uh, and that's, I think that one's got another 12,000. So, you know, unique registrants, probably, you know, a thousand different. But uh, yeah, a lot of new people. And then, of course, there's, you know, all the folks who don't use. Uh, Facebook and Google Plus and all that stuff. So, you know, new players who go with, you know, the, the kids who go with mom and dad to their local event, their local game store, uh, you know, seeing them go and check out the game for the first time. We had a couple of new players in Atlanta over the weekend, so that was a cool experience. Uh, seeing all of that, you know, come down and how they were just interacting with all this stuff that made me think about when it was new for me and seeing their faces light up as they rolled that first crit. Aww. or. uh they, how they kind of squeeze and get real small when they've only got two hit points left and the DM's rolling the uh, the, the attack oh, dice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, you can't see me. <laughs> if you can't see me, you can't roll, you can't roll a crit if you can't see me. <laughs> I wish. Uh, so what would you, I mean, it sounds like there's so many different ways to get into uh, the D&D Adventures League community. What, are, what, what would you suggest to someone uh, who may be listening who, who wants to take that first step? Uh, honestly, I think the easiest way for people to become aware of what we do, uh, Twitter and Facebook, uh, throw us a follow. Uh, you, Twitter and Facebook allow you to observe the action without necessarily getting super deep in, uh, deeply involved. And then when they're a little more comfortable, they can start posting. Uh, we have a whole bunch of members who are, as, as Lisa said earlier, they're very communicative. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll help coach and guide just the same as we will. And we do our best to make sure that the coaching and guiding is what's happening. Right. Um, and I'd say if you're if you're willing, just jump in and, and play a game. Um, DndAdventuresLeague.org has links to the store and event locator. Mm -hmm. um, on Wizards' site, uh, where you can find where stores might have Adventures League nights every week. Um, and there's also a convention map if you want to look for a convention near you. Oh, um, and if you're well-versed in D&D and listening to this and like D&D, which I imagine you might be, um, and you feel passionately about like spreading the hobby and getting new people um, rolling dice... Um, I urge you to check out uh, dndadventuresleague.org, the various getting started sections uh, that talk about how to start an Adventurers League night. Um, 
because that, I mean, if you're totally new uh, and you kind of just like look up Wizards of the Coast, Adventures League is there. It's the official campaign. A lot of new people get filtered through us, um, even if they uh, then go on to play homebrew games. Um, it's a really great way of bringing people on board. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And Lisa, you've been doing a good job about reaching new and interesting people. You were just recently uh, featured in a, in a in a publication. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Oh, um, the the slant interview. Yeah. That one or I love yeah, that interview. That was really cool. I think you it converted was, uh, the interviewer. I think I know. She, she's like, I want to play now. <laughs> Coolest <laughs> job yeah, title yeah. ever. Yeah, the writer. Um, so the slant is like an Asian American newsletter, and they interview different cool Asians. Um, <laughs> and I didn't tell them I wasn't. Um, <laughs> you are. You are cool. <laughs> so they interviewed Don't... me, which was like a mind trip. That was cool. Uh, but um, how did they the, find you? I mean, well, other that, than how how did they find you or hear of you? Or so the uh, the editor in chief, who's the guy who interviewed me, Andrew, uh, he actually plays Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, and okay. He was looking at DMs Guild for different adventures to play, and I guess must have probably noticed me in the Guild Adepts bucket. Um, saw my name there. Uh, Chen is kind of a giveaway. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, looked me up and looked at what I was doing. He says he's interested in talking to other Asian Americans playing D&D. And he might do a feature article on that. So I'm seeing it on the internet. So it has to happen now. Yeah. Um, I really hope he does that. It's it's in your court, Andrew. Make it happen. (laughs) Yeah, that was really cool. And I saw that you're, you're kind of going on tour here. You've got a lot of appearances coming up as well. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, a lot of admins uh, go around to lots of different conventions. Mm-hmm. We're lucky enough to be invited as guests, and we bring some perks. Like, we can run author-only adventures. Um, there's uh, an item fair called By Chance Fantastical Fair, and there's a special version if you invite yeah. an admin as guest. Um, yes. And I guess people, for whatever reason, like to meet us. Uh, so I put together my schedule so that if people, I've made a lot of new friends, uh, on the interwebs, uh, recently, um, just from my involvement in the D and D community and through being involved in Adventures League. Uh, so I'd love to meet people in person. I'm really shy though. So if you see me and I don't know, approach you, you should come say hi to me. I would not get that from you. No. (laughs) Are you lying? You're not, you're not shy on the internet. You're shy in person. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that makes sense well uh, thank internet you armor, yes <laughs> uh, so thank you guys so much for being on talking about uh, uh, everything D&D community uh, uh, I think it's awesome what you guys are doing uh, what uh, Alan where, where can people find out about you and what you're doing uh, or perhaps follow you on the, on the Twitters on the Twitters, I am at Wharfdiner uh, for various reasons. I promise it involves chocolate. Uh, or you can hit me up on Facebook. Find me through the Adventures League group. Uh, very, very soon we'll be rolling out a shared calendar as well. So like Lisa mentioned, we have public appearances. And that will be shared with anyone who wants to add a Google calendar to their own. They'll be able to see where we're at. Oh, oh sweet. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and Lisa, where, where are people find more about you? Uh, I personally am super active on Twitter, so you can find me at MercifulDM, M-E-R-C-Y-F-U-L-D-M. Um, and then I also have a website, LisaChen.com, that has all of my projects. Uh, Lisa is also spelled with a Y. Oh, and um, yeah, the D&D Adventures League group on Facebook is super active, and on Twitter we are at D&D underscore ADV League. Awesome. Yep. Was yes. that was that a little kid I heard in the background? Or was that the cat? It is. Yeah, no, that wasn't the cat. That was my son. <laughs> he was trying to come upstairs into my office. Aww. Nice. 
I had I had an image of that. Uh, uh, gosh, you remember that interview? Uh, was it? La- I think it was just last year where it was a guy who was doing like a CNN yes! uh, 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 appearance, <laughs> yes, and his little girl so comes out and she's like, dit, dit, and the mom, dit. the poor mom, was like on her hands and knees trying to get that kid <laughs> I know. out. That is, I heard, I heard your 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 little kid, and that's the image that popped in my brain. I was like, I bet that's what's happening. Oh, that was He's- so good. He's a door and two baby gates away, and you still heard him. He's loud. Wow. wow. <laughs> two for nothing else, people should join the D&D Adventures League Facebook group because there's a picture somewhere on there of Alan's son wearing a beholder hat. Aww. And it's really, really cute. He's Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sorry we were not able to have video uh, of Alan's beholder hat that he's wearing right now. Uh, I'll for- I'll, I'll blow it out over uh, Twitter once we're uh, once we're set. That's the way to do okay, it. So good. everybody, go follow follow father son beholder hats. The father son yes. beholder hats. <laughs> Absolutely. Baby beholder. Well, thank you guys so much uh, uh, for calling in. I love all the work you're doing. I'm fascinated yes, by what's happening with the Red War and all that. Uh, and oh, can't yeah. wait to hear more. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Keep up the good Thanks work. Thanks for having us. You guys thank are the best. You. Talk to you later. Catch you later. Bye. Bye. Bye, Bye Clara. Bye. Uh, they are delightful people. They're really good people. I really, they work so hard. I know. Clara, that cat was working it. That cat knows how to work it. <laughs> Make it work, Clara. Uh, Project Runway are you reference watching? there. No, I'm not. Is it on right now? All Stars. Oh, it's not as good. But. We were watching uh, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars. Oh, nice. Season two we just watched. So we're, I guess that's last year or whatever the last season was. I feel like there's been a lot of them. There's More than two. It's true. Um, so that's exciting nice people I really want the Red War uh, uh, to have a nice conclusion how I mean that's okay I love that they're just like totally rolling with this and entertaining this yeah but also like you're the person that's like I'm just gonna start this thing and now look now we're talking about it exactly it's happening it's like being in a D&D campaign when you're like oh I'm just gonna throw out this random idea no one will ever think it's good and then it ends up being the whole campaign exactly right so but this is writ large love it super cool um, and uh, hopefully there's enough time for uh, you know Jeremy and the rest of the team to get into uh, Morden Cannon's time of Tome of Foes that, that might be asking too much, trying to get it in there before it goes to the printer. I don't think we should ask them anything. <laughs> no. We Until shouldn't. this book is done. Yeah, that's probably true. Did you not hear what Mike said today? That's right. We can't. Stop talking to them. <laughs> they are heads down <laughs> trying to get this ready <laughs> to go. ask them a question. Out the door. I did. I asked Emmy a question today. What'd you mm-hmm. ask her? Don't, I'm not saying. You're like, what'd you have for breakfast? It. And she's like, I can't talk. I'm Did right. you hear what Mike said? That's that's, that's a, like so Emmy. That is like she the best impression a, of Emmy. I think stop talking to me. Yours is like the best. Mine's like the second best. I know. Well, you know I'm really good at impressions. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's my thing. You haven't done impressions on I'm this saying. on the microphone in a while. I'm just saying. Oh, dear. <laughs> that's about all I can go. do. Did I just snort on yes. the microphone? <laughs> I think that's a good sign-off that point good right there. That was impression of Peppa Pig. <laughs> right, Daddy Pig. I'm Peppa Pig. Every time I make pancakes, Fiona asks me, "Is like, are you going to try to flip them in the air like Daddy Pig? I'm like, no, I am not. <laughs> I don't Daddy Pig? Yeah. That's his name. You guys watching Peppa at your house, Ryan? No? Yeah, it's a good one. British people are funny is what I've heard. My little uh, brother George. Out in the world. So I'm excited for Morning Kane and Stone Buffos, uh to come out. It is in game stores on May 18th. That's where you can get the limited 
oh, okay. cover by yeah. Vance Kelly. Uh, and uh, it'll be out everywhere else uh, in uh, May 29th. So it is, uh, it's, it's, it's a couple months away. Not that far. But not that far once you think about it. February is a short month. That's true. And then it'll be March. 30 days half September. April, June, and... November. Yeah. Oh, did you even know that you had that mnemonic in your head, did you? Oh, I use it all the time, actually. I try to talk about it with Pelin, and he's like, I always screw that one up, so I never remembered it. I know, right? That's my answer to everything. Millennials. Millennials. What are our kids' names? Are they... What's the generation going to be? It's going to be like... Uh, I don't know, zillennials or something like that. I don't know what they'll be. I don't know. Hellennials. They'll be D&D players is what they will be. That's yeah. what they'll be known as because we'll be taking over the world. I say. Quinn keeps telling me that he hears a song at daycare that has D&D in it. He's like, really? I heard the D&D song again. Like, what, I, I wonder what that and is. And then he goes, hey, do you know, do you know Timber? <laughs> and I was like, Timber? Like, what? They listen to Timberland? At, uh... That's what I thought. And he was like, the song, Timber. And I was like, the Kesha song? <laughs> like, I do know that song. They TikTok? Yeah, no, they, it was it was Timber, the one with Pitbull and Kesha. Oh, I don't know that yeah, one at all. It's like one of his favorite songs. Oh, so I had that's to add it. Cool. I had to add it to his Spotify playlist. You know what's funny? We were listening to uh, Taylor Swift's new album, and yeah. Edna, Edna is like, uh, "Yeah, I don't like the new album. It's it's too metal. <gasps> it's got a lot of metal in it." No, she didn't. And I'm like. There's like a riff of like guitar at the stop, she, the but, top of the album. But she knows the term metal. I think. Well, I think I said it. I was oh, like, oh, it's got some metal. metal in it. And then now she she took it as a, like a, a like it's it. against it. Yeah, she doesn't like it as much. Really? I know. But it's so funny how like random offhand comics will make about uh, pop culture that they just subsume into their own. Exactly. Yeah. It's not so. Uh, so that's why I've been peppering all of my conversation with Dungeons and Dragons references. Well, I don't even think you need to try that. Huh? <laughs> exactly. Like they're already going to be. It just, kinda, it. it just kind of comes up. People, where well, can they follow you, uh, Miss Mazenoble? How about at Shelly Moo? Oh, that's a good Twitter. place. That's a good place. You can find me on Facebook. Oh, yeah. At the writer, Shelly. Shelly Mazenoble Writer. If you go there, sometimes um, I take pictures of things on your desk and post the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good place to go to. So I would totally go there to Facebook. Nice. Obviously, you're not. You don't like my page because you would see the things I post. I, I, I'm not a big Facebooker. I don't, I don't care. I'm on there very rarely, like once a month. Really? Yeah. Not very often. I get all of it through Aaron. I'll actually like sit down and scroll through Aaron's uh, feed. Way it's like how you watch The Bachelor, too. Exactly. I get it all through my spouse. I got to talk to her about this. Uh, but if you're looking for pictures of my desk, uh, I'm on Instagram at Greg underscore Tito. Yeah. Sometimes I throw up uh, some fun um, modules. I basically have some old uh, Dungeons & Dragons modules from the TSR days. I've been taking pictures and putting that up there. Really? Yeah. Because I don't know. They're super fascinating. Gramming them up? Gramming them up. What about that Halloween costume? What Halloween costume? That we found from the TSR. Oh, I should I take pictures of that. I actually wore that on Dragon Plus uh, on Halloween. The one that is a it flame almost, retardant on it. And yes. it's, uh, yeah, it's yes. very fun. It's very good. I know. I pointed that towards Sean uh, Wood and he's like, that's creepy. Because yes. we, we share a, 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 a divider there. Um, and now Kate Welch uh, is also kitty corner to me across that she'll divider. She'll get to appreciate all your weirdness too. She'll appreciate all my weird uh, Halloween costumes. Um, you can follow me on Greg, at Greg Tito on the Twitter. Uh, yes. I'm way more active on there. And uh, Dungeons and Dragons, it's got its own little Twitter. It's called oh. Wizards underscore DND. And if you want to find out about the game, there's that website called DungeonsandDragons.com as well Heard as of it. Dragon Plus, which you should download for your device. It's I just Android. Got a, a notice, a push 
notification from them. Nice. Yeah. Is that or something like, like a map of the month might be thrown know. out there. Yeah, it, was, it looked beautiful, though. It's I saw free... it on my watch, and I was like, what a beautiful-looking image. It looks great. Let's go back in time, like, 20 years, and be like, I just read uh, the Dragon Plus content on my watch. In the encyclopedia. I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> How crazy is that? Yeah, that's just weird. Uh, so, yeah, you can check it out on Android or iOS. Dragon Plus is available also on the web at dragonmag.com. Buy monthly issues all about uh, what's going on in Dungeons & Dragons story. It's very good Tons and of interviews. There's also stories on there. Uh, and the covers. Not uncommon. And the covers are pretty awesome. So good. Yeah, pretty fantastic. I love it. I love all that art direction by Shauna Wolf Narciso. Yeah, she's good. She does good work. She does. Uh, all right, I think we're out. I think we're done. All right. All right. Been fun. Rocks fall, everyone dies. Oh no! Oh no!